Hello, and uh, welcome to episode the 11th of the internet's second podcast about comic books, and the first podcast ever to record episodes in advance. And like, I mean, technically all podcasts recorded, well, some do, whatever. I'm Jean-Luc, I'm here, I'm the host for this evening, I will be the guiding light of this episode, and I'm joined as always uh, by my good friend, Emily. Hello. And uh, my other good friend, uh, Alexandre. Hello. The Roy? No, unfortunately, that's my other friend. He couldn't make it for this episode. Um, <laughs> he doesn't exist in this reality, actually, unfortunately. Much to my shame. Um, there's not uh, one of the 13 issues of the Long Halloween is not devoted to uh, Alexandre Lacroix. Unforge. Um, it is unforge. Bad series. Honestly, I'm willing to entertain that argument on on those grounds alone. <laughs> um, but hello, welcome to a, a new episode of the podcast that you're listening to. How are you guys doing? How have you been since uh, we uh, recorded the Sabrina episode? pretty good can't complain things are getting spookier yeah the long long halloween it's true we're getting closer to halloween they don't have much to say because we recorded that episode like an hour and a half ago so they, <laughs> uh, sabrina's pretty good not much has like changed it would sound it would sound pretty redundant no um, not really we are getting when we record this show my mind i don't know i don't know what it is because sometimes we do it you know an hour back to back back to back sometimes we take three weeks off sometimes we like i don't know never record an episode so i thought the last episode was alita so i, com- I completely forgot about sabrina uh but now i'm remembering it's a good time <laughs> it's nice hanging out with you guys <laughs> no you only remember uh you only remember alita because we very recently got in contact in real time with the alita nation <laughs> Our most successful tweet ever. Probably our most successful episode. I haven't looked at the numbers yet, but uh, the Alita Army is strong. I haven't looked at the numbers either. I'll do that tomorrow. But yeah, (laughs) we found out the Alita, hashtag Alita Army still exists. So you love to see it, folks. We really, we do. We do. No, like genuinely, I love to see, I love that there are other people who are like, God, please, I hope there's a sequel to Battle Angel Alita. I'm also I really movie. will be so sad if we never get one. I know. If Batman the Long Halloween gets two and really kind of four movies, Alita should get at least two. I almost watched the animated movies today, but I didn't get around to it. You made the right choice skipping them. Um, I watched them like when they like I've I've, I've seen them and they look. I know you. You love all of the DC animated movies. They're your favorite thing. That's why you watch all of them. I wouldn't watch them all if I didn't love them. It's true. It's funny because one of the rare DC movies that has a different art style is uh, Batman Ninja, which is a movie Jean Luc does not like. So, well, that's because Jean Luc hates anime. You can't please him. You can't please. Oh yeah. Well, that's true. But that doesn't even really look like anime. Like it's the most like. No, it was, no it's not. It's it was not. Being- I was being silly. That was yeah. called a joke, John Luke. I look. Are we allowed to have those? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, we don't do those on this show. Um, but anyway, we're here to talk about not a manga. The fact that I got my G license that I can now drive legally. Woo! Yeah. 
That's yeah. exciting. Congratulations. I mean, I could drive legally before, but now it's like a, I had a five year like window where like you have to get the full license or it's you start back at the one where you need someone in the car with you. So yeah, <laughs> it's a thrilling time. It's a thrilling time. What's the, what's the legal age for driving Canada? Uh, 16. You can get your G1 and I think you need to wait a year to get your G2 and then you can get your full G basically right after that. So the, it's a three-step, three-steppy. The G1's the one where the parent has to be in the car with you or some... Yeah. Like, yeah. I skipped that one because I waited until I was 18 to get my license and you don't have to go through that if you if you get your license. Oh, you're they, they just put you in the car. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I, I was a driver's the, test. But oh, sure. I, okay, that's good. That's good. I, did the, I did the same thing, John. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to get my license. I was really like 19, I think. I was testing today and like, I just finished my test and I learned I was, was, you know, I got my license, very excited. And then this car is just like backing in and they're clearly doing their test too. And they're just about to hit my car and I'm watching it happen. And I'm just like, is this affect me? If like, if they hit my car, is it my fault too? Uh, She didn't hit me. She was, she was like, I'm sorry, but it was during her test. I don't think things went well. Um, That's okay. Fun story. I failed my driver's test twice. Heck yeah. Um, Because the people administering the test wouldn't let me use the camera on my parents' car. And so I fucked yeah. up parallel parking twice. Yeah. And it's like one of those things like if you even tap one of the cones, it was like an auto fail. So Damn. my parents found a different uh, test provider that <laughs> let you use the camera. And then I passed eas- very easily with a, with a near perfect score. With, with distinction. Yeah, there was yeah. a whole ceremony. <laughs> There was a thing. And then I got it and I aced the written test. Literally didn't get a single question wrong on the written wow. test. Wow. Clap, 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 clap. It was I, I the failed. written test that I had to do more than once. Oh, yeah. Just because, like, I don't, it was, there was some question or something that, like, so, tripped so they, me up. They split it up here where, like, your G1 is just written and then your G2 is just, like, driving parallel parking. And then your G is just, like, you're going on the highway, you're getting off the highway, you're doing lane changes and shit like that. Um, so I failed it the first time, like, a week ago. And I, I don't know, I, I'm not a very like argumentative person, but I was like 10 minutes in, I was like arguing with the person who was giving me the exam because the whole time they were like, you know, turn left there, turn right here. And then at this point he was like, he didn't tell me to turn. He's like, you missed it. And I'm like, what? what, 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 what? I don't know. I, I, I also started, well, I started off with one hand on the wheel for like the first 10 minutes or something <laughs> oh, like that. Like, I don't know. It was like, I. I deserve to fail it, but I was, I don't know. I was feeling, I was feeling snappy that because day. Because you've been driving for like five years and nobody drives with two hands on the wheel a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I'm not endorsing that. But. I am one hand or you're lame. I don't know. Great. <laughs> but one yeah. hand or you're banned. Yay. I feel like that would be a, uh, like you you would see that on a, on a highway in the U.S. if if oh, it was absolutely. actually the message they wanted. It's like absolutely. What, what's the one you guys have where it's like drive sober or get pulled over? And yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. That's the most like it's like drive sober or die in a crash and kill someone. Like it's not like <laughs> oh you'll get pulled over. Like what kind of like so they're starting, like, do, they're starting to do that now. There's like signs that have like the number of casualties in the last year on them. Kill count. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, here's the highways KDA. Are, are you better than the average killer? God. You reckon? I mean, or? to be fair, one of them, I saw one of the highways I was on was like 178 people or something like that. And I'm like, that would just, 
That would just scare me from being on the highway. That's a great KDA, man. Like, I don't think it was one person, but if it was, that's... <laughs> Just one person who just drives around, like just lane checking everyone. And in Gotham City, that's Batman. Yeah, but in it, you know, so sometimes he has a couple friends to help him out. Do you think Batman ever pulled someone over for like a parking violation? Oh my gosh, definitely on his way back. He's just like, yeah. Like, do you think he just like? Do you think when he sees those things, like that's part of his like crusade against crime? No, not at all. No, I think 100 no. percent he does, and I and I think he doesn't have a filter either. He like he like punches a bad guy for like you know killing the queen, and then he like whoa that that's timely. It was timely when this was coming out. Sorry guys, uh, and then he like punches someone in the face for like oh you parallel parked wrong or something. I don't know. You hit the cone like Jean- so yeah, Jean Luc he would have punched you in the face, and then failed you. So well, I'm glad I'm Batman wasn't the uh, administering my driver's test. <laughs> Yeah. As much as I would like to be punched in the face, Batman not my not so much my type. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we are here not to talk about drivers' tests and how many times we passed or failed them, or wanting to get punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I've Save expressed your, this uh... multiple times in public, like oh, I know, can, like. You you said something to similar effect earlier when I sent you a picture of Sarah Snook. It was like one of the first things I saw when I woke up too, and I was like, "It was I think one of the I, first things I saw when I woke up, so yeah. I had to share." And I think I said I want her to beat me up so badly, which is true. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the word demolish was involved. <laughs> Probably. What's well, Sarah Snook? Let's see. Oh, Sarah Snook is an actress. She's in Succession. Yeah. Ah. Okay. And she's very attractive. She's a total smoke show. She's very attractive, much like Batman. I didn't think that one through. Harvey Dent, baby. Sure. I believe in Harvey Dent. You know what I'm saying? Um, Gilda is Gilda's pretty hot. Yeah, she's yeah, Gilda's she cool. Kind of nice with it, low key. I like I her. Like, uh, yeah, she, I like her character in this one. Yeah, but we'll get to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alright. And in the animated movie. <laughs> uh, so, the the long Halloween... I guess first, before we get into it... What um, are we doing? <laughs> well, I was going to do the spoiler warning. Uh, because what mm. we're doing is we're going to be spoiling the long Halloween. Uh, we're actually, in fact, going to be doing a live reenactment dramatic reading uh, of the book on air so if you haven't read it and want to experience it the way it was meant to be experienced first you should go ahead and do that um, if you want to read the uh, 13 issue limited series from October 1996 uh, through October 1997 it, it always fucks me up that October to October is 13 months and not 12 mm-hmm. I, my, yeah. my brain doesn't like that I felt the same way reading this series because most maxi series and comics are twelve issues. So when I said, when I said I had six issues left, I thought I had six issues left, and there was a bonus one. You had it was seven. Like, it was like I lied to Jean Luc and Emily. Wow. You know, for years I thought, even when I read this the thir- first time, I just thought this was twelve issues. But then I read it this time, and I'm like, oh, it's thirteen. What? So I don't know what's up with that. Um, but anyway, it is uh, written by uh, Jeff Loeb, a favorite of uh, the hosts on this show. Big Loeb heads. Big uh, frontal lobes, 
Uh, as you, got, the, you got me there. The, okay, the, I like that one. The Jeff Loeb fan club. Uh, and drawn by uh, Tim Sale. So two uh, names that are like pretty big names in uh, comics and like really came up together. I, I think Loeb's first published work was Challengers of the Unknown in the early 90s. And I know Sale drew that. I think it was maybe his first time doing interiors uh, at the big two. Um, and then they went on to write uh, Legends of the Dark Knight, uh, a couple like special one shot issues, and then uh, The Long Halloween, which really it's weird because like Jeff Loeb had written like a bunch of X-Men books before this. But I really think of this as like his breakout book and definitely the breakout book for Tim Sale and then really skyrocketed their careers and they went on. Uh, to to collaborate on a bunch of books after this, and Jeff Loeb wrote a bunch, like a lot of like A list characters. Tim Sale drew a lot of that. Uh, Jeff Loeb eventually, you know, would go on to like head up Marvel's TV department for like a decade or so. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's up to right now, but that was in the um, that was in like when they did all the Netflix shows, the right? Netflix like, shows, like Daredevil, uh-huh. uh, Punisher. Yep. Those were all uh, Jessica Jones, ones. yeah, and. The Defenders, and also these weren't Netflix shows, but Inhumans and Runaways, which I think were on Hulu. Um, I know, I know that Runaways was definitely on Hulu. I don't know about Inhumans. I don't, I don't either, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah, it was interesting because Marvel. I mean, obviously Kevin Feige was, you know, r- r- calling the shots on the on the movie side, but it was like a totally different tone and totally different thing on the TV side. Oh, yeah. That- Jeff Loeb has, and I mean, you, you can see his tone in in the Long Halloween. It's kind of what he does. That, that's his, you know, bread and butter. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of like Loeb and Sale really like have made their names as people who write original graphic novels or like prestige miniseries with iconic characters. I mean, Jeff Loeb went on to write Batman Hush. Uh, the two collaborated on. Uh, Batman Dark Victory, Superman All for All Seasons, Daredevil Yellow, Spider-Man Blue, uh, Captain America White. Yeah. And I think there's, and, and Hulk Gray is, is the other one. Um, Man, this but guy sort of, fucking loves colors. Yeah, he he loves colors. You do be loving colors. So uh, a, a little bit on the long Halloween, it, it takes place in the same continuity as Batman Year One. Um, it came out like 10 years. Like, I think actually almost to the date a decade after year one, but it is like a direct sequel to, to that book. Have we read Batman year one? I know you guys have, but we, we've never we done it for a show. So. No. Okay. That means that I haven't read it. Although I did, uh, I vaguely recall borrowing it for several months from a friend and just never getting around to reading it. Cause I was in high school. I was busy. I just didn't get to it. And year one's I very good. back. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. why that's why I borrowed it because I heard it was really good, and then I just never read it. Your one would be yeah, a fun one to do at some point. It's one that I read when I was a bit younger, and I didn't love it. Um, I also watched the animated movie and didn't love that one. But I feel like it's one that if I revisited today, I'd be like, "So many animated movies." That animated movie was actually pretty well liked when it came out too. So interesting. I think stylistically, it was actually pretty similar to the like, like it didn't look like. It wasn't the house style that they do yeah. the films. That it, was, it came out like after they switched over to doing like the new 52 style in the animated movies, but they were definitely trying to animate it like David Masekeli's art from the book. So it was kind of 
it just it felt like it came out. It felt like to me at the time, like it felt like one that was more like in line with like Under the Red Hood and Justice League Doom and and oh, I love like it. Oh, those early are so, slate, those which was well, really it may have been in production earlier than yeah, the, yeah. the switch over. So yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so this this takes place in that continuity. It's a younger Batman. Um, it doesn't explicitly say like how young Batman is, but you know it's pretty early. There's no Robin. Harvey Dent is still the the DA of Gotham City. Uh, he hasn't become Two Face yet, at least at the beginning. Um, this also sort of is like a serves a Two Face origin story as well. Um, and it's you know part of the reason that I that I wanted to do it is because I haven't read it in years. It's probably been, I mean, probably about a decade or or maybe a little bit less since I, I read it for the first time, but it is generally, you know, generally considered to be one of the, the best Batman comics of all time, um, you know, up there with the work of like Frank Miller and Alan Moore. Um, and also it's, uh, it's been, the influence of it is very obvious because uh, it obviously, as I met, as I, we've alluded to, it has that animated adaptation, but also like it is very much direct, like direct inspiration for big segments of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, um, and even more so for like the new the twenty twenty two movie The Batman um, that came out earlier this year. Um, like, and that one even more so. Like that one, they're they're like like every time they were in Falcone's club in that movie, I was like, oh, this is just straight from uh long halloween i didn't actually know that that movie used elements from this book until like i was doing a little cursory research after having read the book that i like read that somewhere uh it just i don't know how that's never come up in because with you know that people fucking loved the batman uh so i don't know i was i was surprised to hear that specifically i'm also like you know just on the one-to-one scale i I just thought like after reading this it's like oh it's the dark knight and maybe that's just the harvey dent story and all that stuff and the way that they're like hey we're here to stop stop crime and everything it's like you know it's a 13 issue series and it's it's inspired some of the best batman films that have come out and superhero films that's pretty pretty cool yeah i mean the the dark knight um inspiration is all like is is also like definitely definitely a big part that's definitely a big part of that movie like like you said the harvey dent storyline the whole bit of like batman attracting all these like crazy new type villains to gotham city um bunch of like both like literally like plot beats but also thematic elements um but yeah uh, i i'll get into the to the plot in in just a second but um before i do that i am i do and we'll get into you know maybe more in depth later on, but I want to know what your guys' history with long Halloween is. Um, I don't know if I actually don't know if either of you have read it before. Um, so, uh, Emily, do you want to kick us off and tell us about if you'd heard of it before, if like you had like expectations going in, um, if you'd read it before. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess this will probably be pretty short. I had heard of it. I had never read it. I just knew it, like the name as like, you know, it's like one of the, one of the greats, you know, up there with like Killing Joke and, uh, I guess <laughs> some would say Hush and, uh, you know, 
uh, and year one, uh, just like it was something that I had heard the name, but I didn't know literally anything about it. I didn't know anything about the story going in. I just knew like uh, I knew that it was a, a well-liked Batman story. And I think right before reading it, I learned that it took place like over the course of a year from like one Halloween to another or whatever. So that's, uh, that's about it. Cool. Alex, had you ever heard of Batman the Long Halloween? What? Had you ever heard of Batman the Long Halloween before we did the show? I still haven't heard about Batman the Long Halloween. <laughs> well, um, get I, ready because that's what we'll be talking about. Jeez, uh, I'm so excited. That's great. I should I should not read the books more often so I can just get the get the insights <laughs> from you guys. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think it was one of the it was one of the sort of seminal books that I read after I got into the U52. So maybe like a year or so after, it's like hey. You know, it's got an Eisner award-winning creative team. I know what an Eisner is. That means it's quality. Um, so you know, More picking up the not. book and all that. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I just remember being struck by the, the art style because you know, reading U fifty two, a lot of the stuff is very like similar and like uh, DC House style stuff. And then seeing Tim Sale's art, and then this this really gripping mystery where uh, throughout the thing, it's like. I don't know who did it, but I really want to know who did it. And even at the end, it leaves you on a really cool sort of cliffhanger where you're like, is the people who, you know, is the person who is the big bad in this actually the big bad or is it multiple people? And uh, I, I really love the ending of it. And it's, it does Batman so well in a way that, you know, he's, he's talking to himself a lot and like, like his thoughts and everything, but in a way that is handled well. And it's clear that a lot of people read this book growing up and it was very like a lot of writers and then not took the wrong messages, but just aren't Jeff Loeb. It's like, Hey, you know, this is, this is, it works with Batman when he's talking to himself and he's in his head and he's doing this repetition. Um, but you got, you got to be a great writer. And yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed rereading it seven issues today. So very fresh in my mind. Um, yeah. yeah uh, I read you know, the majority of it today as well. Yeah. And it makes me want to read dark victory, which I, I remember not liking as much in the past. Um, I'll probably start reading it tonight, though, after the show. I shouldn't have made the face I just made because I also haven't read Dark Victory since about the time that I first read Long Halloween. But yeah, but like Long Halloween is sorry, is just this is given this like it's on this pedestal, and then people don't really talk. Like I didn't know Dark Victory was a thing until probably like five years after I read <laughs> Long Halloween. I still it was, don't know that Dark Victory is a thing. Yeah, it's it's a thirteen issue follow up. Oh, it's like yeah. We should do that. We should we should do year one and then do that also complete the trilogy. Yeah. Dark Victory is like parts of it, if I'm remembering correctly, parts of it happen concurrently with killing. Um, not killing joke. Uh, with, <laughs> with the long Halloween, but most of it is like a sequel. Yeah, and it, I and I think it like it gives you more like questions on like, Oh, the stuff that happened here, did it really happen? Or here's, here's some new perspectives. I remember the execution not being as good, but it's, it's still Tim sale art the whole way through. So they also did Catwoman uh, when in Rome, I think is what it's called, which is another 13 issue series, which takes place concurrently with long Halloween and dark victory, but is from Catwoman's perspective. Yeah. I, did, I haven't read that one yet. I, I have, but again, I read it like at the same time as I read uh, these, but yeah. So just to you know, Alex alluded to this, but I mean, structurally, the Long Halloween is like takes borrows a lot from like old like mystery stories and detectives. Wait, John, did you give did you give your history with Long Halloween? 
Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> he alluded to it. I should do that. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. Anyway, I had a good, I thought I had a good segue, but you're right. I should. Um, it was a good I'm segue. I'm so sorry. It, it was I, really I just, good. I wanted to know about your history with the book. Uh, my history with the book is like mostly the same as Alex's in that like I got into comics with the New 52 in like late 2011. Um, and then like a year into reading monthlies, I started like broadening my horizons and going back and reading older stuff and was a big Batman guy at the time. And I loved the Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo Batman book and wanted to, you know, read more of the character. And so this was one of the books, like it, it I, I just Googled like best Batman comics or something and read a list probably on IGN. If I had to, get I was it. just, I was just thinking that. Yeah. yeah I, just, so I definitely funny. did that. It was probably just like the top 25 Batman comics. And I just like, read as many of them as i could but like it was you know this was one of the first ones this is one that like i read like dark knight returns and year one and killing joke and this and well i'd already read hush i guess at at this point because i read hush like right before i started reading new 52 monthlies but yeah so this was like one of the first books i read i i i remembered very little about it though um like i had all like i i kind of like had this impression of it for the last few years of like, yeah, that was fine. Probably. I don't really remember what I thought about it at the time or if what I thought about it at the time would be, you know, particularly pertinent to what I thought about it now, um, which is part of the reason I wanted to, to go back to it. Cause I, it's been forever since I, uh, since I read it. But anyway, like it, it is like a, a classic mystery story in a lot of ways. It, it's, it kicks off with, um, a murder on Halloween night, uh, the murder of uh, Johnny Vitti, who's like uh, that's Carmine... tonight. <laughs> <laughs> who's uh, Carmine Falcone's uh, nephew. Um, anyone familiar with, with, you know, Batman will probably recognize the name Carmine Falcone. He is sort of the uh, er, uh, Batman gangster villain, kind of the, you know, the big like first uh villain that batman goes up against in the in the in the continuity before gotham is overrun by you know freaks and clowns and so his his nephew is murdered and that sort of sets off uh, a string of killings tied to different holidays so each of the 13 issues takes place around the whole issue doesn't take place on a on one of those holidays but takes place sort of around uh, a, a holiday and around a killing that takes place on that holiday. Um, and crucially, this is, you know, at a time when Batman has just emerged. Uh, James Gordon has just, you know, he's, he's still fairly new to Gotham. He's a captain on the police force. He's not, you know, it's years before he'll become commissioner. Um, as I alluded to earlier, Harvey Dent is still the, dis- is, is newly the district attorney has not yet become two face. And so, while these murders are happening, it's sort of a dual storyline of them trying to solve the murders together, but also entering in this pack to really make sure they can take down Falcone and, you know, restore some kind of order to Gotham, which at this point is just, it's not overrun by supervillains, but it is definitely overrun by, by organized crime. Um, definitely a lot of like similarities to like mob fiction and well, and mob realities as well. You think like you know Chicago in the in the twenties or, or the forties, um, or even you know after that. But the, this definitely draws a lot from that those kinds of 
those kinds of stories. And so over the course of those 13 issues, they obviously have the 13 murders. They're trying to take down Falcone, but also Batman is encountering uh, a lot of new villains, um, villains that he's like interacted with briefly, but you know, this is, you know, having real encounters with people like uh, Poison Ivy, the Riddler, the Joker, Scarecrow, um, very adorably Solomon Grundy, Mad Hatter, Mad Hatter, God, there really are a lot in this one, huh? It's jam packed. Uh, really, Jeff Loeb really—that is like a Jeff Loeb trick. He loves to like run the gamut of like how many of these villains because he, he does this in Hush as well, right? Where, I was just about to say, yeah, this is a thing that comes back in Hush. Yeah, yeah, he ex- he, he executes it there much better though. Here, you mean? I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Hush Defender has logged on, I see. Uh, yeah. Another similarity to Hush is that this is sort of, uh, there is also a through line here of, of a Selena Kyle, a dual Selena Kyle, Bruce Wayne, and Catwoman Batman uh, romance that is sort of starting to uh, to emerge between the two characters. And I have to say, I, God, I, I love Catwoman's costume in this book so much. It's like, a good costume. It harkens back to her original, like, purple costume with the, like, thick tail and the ears and very like she's like it's not like a like high tech like burglar costume it's like i just got a cat costume at the fucking spirit halloween and now i'm running across the (laughs) rooftops of gotham with a whip and like her tail like looks and moves just like a cat tail and it's like this doesn't make any sense but it looks so good that it does not matter it's like one of those um one of it's like those ears that people wear that like move but as a tail Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's like the the broad strokes of uh, of the long Halloween. Um, of course, it is a you know tragically ends with the reveal with you know Harvey Dent being attacked in the courtroom and becoming Two Face uh, and sort of turning on his his former allies. But they do take down Falcone and you know solve the mystery, sort of, sort uh, of because and Maroni too, he's dead. And well, yeah, but Maroni's not a Maroni's not a big gun, you know. Maroni's a he's a he's a number two gun. He's a competing gun. Yeah, he's a competing gun. He's a, he's Paramount Pictures. But it's yeah, sure. Which then you know gets acquired and oh yeah into the, to the larger structure. But yeah, uh, so we sort of talked about our um, histories with the long Halloween, and Alex kind of got at this, but uh. What did you guys uh, what you guys think of this book, especially given, you know, its its reputation and, and the pedestal that it's put on? Did it live up to expectations? Did you even have expectations reading it for the first time or, or rereading it this time? Um, and regardless of expectations, did you think it was poggers or cringe? <laughs> it's uh... a. <laughs> it, it to me it feel it does feel like a blueprint on how to tell a great Batman detective story in a way that's like it, it almost feels like you're also just like slice of life in gotham at this time where sure there's the big mystery but you got some like oh like here's the joker doing his thing and here's here's all these other villains and it, it like does a pretty good job of giving them all some some time to shine that is technically connected to the whole big thing but also feels like it's just kind of like oh this is just the way the world is and does does a cool job of that um also, is the penguin in this one? Because he appears in like no. a splash page with all the villains, but I don't remember him. I that. 
don't remember him being like a part of the plot at all. So yeah, I'm gonna say he's only Nico. in the splash page. Huh. But yeah, I I I really enjoyed it, and it's what it's you know unlike Hush. I guess I read Hush for the first time when I was a bit older, but it was like. Hush is the one I think where John Luke he read it and he was like you know you're young and you're like this is cool and then you read it again and you're like hmm maybe not so great but yeah I also liked Hush when I was younger uh, I feel like uh, having revisited it and reading this this obviously gets a lot of things done better here and it sort of it makes in comparison it turns Hush into this weird sort of retread uh, in a way <laughs> yeah. not not a hundred percent but just it feels like i don't know sort of playing the hits instead of like doing something new and interesting uh in by, by comparison hush does but um i i didn't really have any expectations going in other than like oh this is probably going to be good because a lot of people seem to like it but um other than that, like I like I said, I didn't know anything about the plot or anything, so I had no idea what to expect. I didn't actually expect so many classic villains to show up, and that was sort of delightful. Uh, every time one of them just sort of like you would get like a little hint in the splash page or whatever uh, for each chapter uh, or each uh, each issue, because uh, I was reading like the uh, collected edition on Comicsology. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this comic. It took me a little, it took me a second to kind of get into it, to kind of get into the groove of it and get what was, what was going on. Uh, and I think mostly that's just because like on the whole, I, uh, I care much less about Batman, the mobster, uh, fighter than I do Batman, the like, fighter of weirdo supervillains uh just like as a personal preference so like it, it felt a little slow uh at the beginning for me but like as it as things started to come together i was like oh shit okay i get i get what's happening here yeah that's that's that is extremely fair i mean it's it's weird because like i think you're in the majority of people who like uh, prefer that that kind of storyline but like every time there's like a batman detective story that happens or like some creative team gets interviewed before they take over detective comics or, or the main batman book and they're like i'm gonna get batman back to his roots of being a detective there's always like the freaks like me who crawl out and are like oh hell and get like really excited <laughs> i don't dislike it it's just a little like I don't know. I I don't mind. I, you know, I'm fine with the detective stuff. I just want there to be like weirdo f clown freaks involved. That's yeah. that's very fair. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's really like I mean, before Batman, all of those you know the comics, detective comics he was in was mostly you know mobsters and it was like Dick Tracy shit, right? Dick like, Tracy stuff. Mobsters yeah. just don't really appeal to me. Like in a lot of well, I guess it, it really does just depend on the context. But like as a like anti-Italian sentiment, as as a fictional like. As a fictional group, I don't usually uh, gravitate towards, like, mobster yeah. Yeah. media. And, and, and I think it's, like, because, uh, I mean, with mobsters and Batman and, you know, with most superheroes, they are, like, level one villains. Because, like, it's not like, you know, Batman's been doing it for 30 years and now he's like, oh, I got to stop the mobsters. Like, uh -huh. mobsters are just mobsters. I mean, like, it's a fun story. I get story, it, for but, sure. Like, but it's, like, uh, it, do, 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 can they ever have a place where he, like, knows what he's doing and, like... 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, this this really straddles a line, and it's really like my favorite type of like, not just Batman story, but superhero story in the sense that they're there's like this big like overarching through line uh, with the the mystery of who the the holiday killer is, but it has it goes on all of these detours along the way uh, with all the different supervillains. You get to you just get to see so many different characters and show up, and it really gives you a sense for like the rest of Gotham City. Like that, like it's that classic thing of like you know. Oh well, what's happening with all these other characters? Well, you know, Batman is hyper focused on this one thing. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, the Joker is still doing his thing. Like, the Joker doesn't go on hiatus while Batman solves a, a different murder. You know, he's still uh, dressing up like the Grinch and like tying a family up and stealing, <laughs> uh, stealing all their Christmas stuff while singing the song from the Grinch. Which I like is- that he didn't even kill them too, or like j- j- Joker gas them. He's just like, I'm just stealing your presents and tying you up. Like- yeah. Yeah, Joker in this book is uh, extremely good on all fronts. Uh, 10 out of 10. I especially, like, uh, they do one of my favorite, like, Joker, like, visual tropes when they draw his teeth, like, really big and thin, and they're all, like, going at, like, all angles, pointing sort of towards the center. Like, mm, love it. I love, yeah, I really love how otherworldly the Joker feels in this book, too. Because he, like, he feels like a, he's he feels like like a cartoon a trick- character. He's like, kind of like a trickster god. Yeah, he is. And he's, like, so lanky, too. Like, he has, like, really long, thin arms and legs. Like, there's that panel where, in the first Joker, the, the first time he shows up, where he... Uh, is in the bedroom of one of the uh, one of the mobster guys, and he's like standing over their bed, like in a in like a crouched pose, and you see like how long his his limbs are. He's got he's just like all elbows and knees. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and I love the way that Incredible. Tim Sale like Tim Sale portrays him in that way because it's like it's just like yeah, like he's not and and honestly, this is true of I think a lot of the non like normal characters in this book that Tim Sale draws them as being like really like very clearly like not really human. Uh, like even yeah. Batman is like Tim and, and Tim Sale is not like the really the first guy to do this, but he's one of the guys who definitely like popularized the sort of like Batman is just like a shadow on the page a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, and like each villain in here, it's they all feel at home in this world, but they're all so very like, they, they all could be their own thing. They all feel so very alien from each other at the same mm-hmm. time. And like, like I said about Catwoman where she's just like, yeah, she's wearing the purple suit and it's just like ripped and she has like her tail going. Yeah. And like she has a six pack. It's great. She's probably got an eight pack. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Really good. Yeah. And then like poison Ivy is just like the, her hair is just like a tree and it's like, it's, it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like the, I really love the designs of basically all the villains, but especially like poison Ivy, the way that like her plants hair just sort of like grows out into everything around her. Like, Oh, it's, it's lush. It's magnificent. Yeah. It's definitely, it is one of my favorite ways to like draw poison Ivy is like, not like just a bipedal like human really, but just mm-hmm. totally ingrained in like the the plant life that she has around mm-hmm. her. It's fucking gorgeous. It's like fully and, and enmeshed in it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's also cool like just just like a thematically because like a, a lot of the time in these stories it's Batman who takes down the mob, but then he like goes on to fight like the Joker and stuff like that. 
But in this one, it's like directly, it's the crazies, it's the villains. It's like those people who like put an end to the the crime families and sort of are like, no, this is our city now. Yeah. Like we're, we're the people here with like, the, you know, the bullet to the head. Well, it's sort of a very cool, like transitional piece between like the mobster era and the supervillain era. Like, I, I feel like it, it makes, like, it took me a little bit of getting into the book to really put that together, but I think it makes, like, a really cool, like, I don't know, like, the 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 way that it's sort of representative of that shift in Batman as a, like, or Batman's rogues gallery as, uh, like, as the years went on through, like, just regular Batman comics. Yeah, and it's really it's really effective too to see like because in the first like I don't know two or three issues how laser focused Batman is on like we're taking down Falcone and like making progress on it too right like they they catch they they, they catch the guy who killed the their banker him and um, Dent go and burn down the warehouse full of money uh, or, or Catwoman takes them to go do that. Uh, but then, like almost every issue after that, he's just like distracted by, you know, the 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 supervillains showing up. Like first it's Joker, and then it's you know the rest, Poison Ivy, and then it's Scarecrow, and, and all of them, um, and it just keeps pulling him away from. And and he's no less like invested in the crime fighting. It's still like what he's doing, but he he spends less and less time focused on like rooting out the 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 sort of organized crime and i mean it's it's like eventually like it transitions to like the 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 supervillains have their own gangs right like it's still like that organized mm-hmm. crime thing but it's the the supervillains running it and that is like like you like you pointed out like telling a story that's about that transition is is really cool um mm-hmm. and how like i mean <laughs> i i find that scene in arkham asylum with Batman and Gordon, where Gordon is like, hey, have you ever noticed how since you showed up, uh, there's more crazy supervillains? And then he's, and then Batman just, like, doesn't say anything. He's like, you know, it'd be ridiculous to imply that it was your fault, of course. <laughs> um, but, like, but it is, like, very much, like, about the, like, sort of emergent, you know, the, the how Gotham has, has, has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, is a theme, like, even outside of that. Like, the whole thing is about, like, Batman starts off like talking about how much in his internal monologue talking about how much he believes in the city of Gotham and its ability to, to bounce back and, you know, reject the sort of like criminal element in the city. Um, and it does, but in favor of something, you know, potentially yeah. even worse, but <laughs> way cooler. Like, it's definitely that like splintered two faced city, right? It's like, yeah, it's like right on the nose there where it's like, Oh, I believe in Harvey Dent. And he, <laughs> Ooh, he's not all there right now. Or he is all there. Hmm. I mean, it's it's an interesting portrayal of Batman too, because it is like a you can kind of tell it's a younger Batman because he's a little more brutal than he is in a lot of other stories. Like there's the I think it's in the the Scarecrow issue where or no, it's when he's fighting Poison Ivy after she is uh, not seduced him, but you know, got taken over his mind with her with with her wiles. Um, it's a, it's a seduction. <laughs> it's a it's yeah. If you you know if you consider drugging someone a seduction. Well, okay. When you put it's it not that a positive way. seduction. It's not like a. Yeah, it's not a well, sexy. Well, well, <laughs> it's not a sexy seduction. So, what were you saying, Jean-Luc? 
saying it's not a sex. No, no, no. My implication no. was not that was that I don't know from Poison Ivy's perspective, she probably finds it hot, and Poison Ivy is hot in the book, but it's not like a it's not like a you know consensual seduction. Let's put it that no. way. Mm-mm. But Batman has that in line in his internal monologue when he's like beating the shit out of her afterwards of how he's like, I'm trying not to enjoy this. But it is like that sort of like, you know, not full, like he hasn't like fully like strengthened his, like he, he hasn't like detached himself from the personal element of it yet. Um, and I think that shows like, I mean, the, his vulnerability around like Catwoman is the kind of the same thing, right? Where he's, you know, she is a villain sort of but he he's willing to overlook that for their little escapades together um yeah and i, and I love the scene where it's like you know bruce and selena are dancing at the uh at the good old wedding over there and then bruce is like oh i gotta go home i'm tired and scatman's like oh you always want to go home and then they meet up right after in like costumes and they're like you know back at it but not not knowing i mean even that is something that, like the batman takes and does with the like you know, they know each other as Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle, but they also know each other as Batman or Catwoman. It's like, it's one of my favorite, like, Batwoman, Catwoman tropes is the, like, you know, they they see each other, they, they don't know each other's secret identities, but then they, like, are meeting up, like, immediately afterwards. And then they'll, like, <laughs> take the costumes off and meet up again and be like, oh, shit, you've got, like, a weird scratch on your face. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. You know, I, I, I yeah. love, like, that's just, like, such, like... I, and this does feel like there's so much of like that classic like superhero comic booky tropes trope stuff in here, and I say that like in a really positive way because um, it feels very like reverent towards uh, the books that came before it. Will still, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and really like I want to say doing something new, but like from a narrative and a writing perspective, I don't think that's so much true as it is from like an art artistic perspective. Because um, Tim Sale's style is so like striking and and unique um like it reminds me like it's weird because like the sort of like halfway point between like 90s like image and marvel style where you have like a lot of like really blocky built characters um but it's like halfway there but also halfway like batman the animated series art style oh Um, yeah so it still has that like cartoony element to it that's really fun this yeah, came it's, out like, in, it's very, what? like, stylized, like, all of the, like, especially, like, in, like, the big, like, full pages or whatever, like, you've got a lot of, like, uh, like, funky anatomy in the poses, but in a way that looks really cool, because it's about, like, looking cool over, like, making sense in a way that isn't, like, gross. Yeah, yeah it... And, and because I guess, you know, like you guys said, they meld the, the animated series with, with that, like, hey, let's just make it look cool. It ages so cool. And it, it feels like such a timeless Batman story that it's just uh-huh. like, it, you, you know, if, if you're going to recommend someone read like two or three Batman ones books, I think I think this one's on it because it just like does such a good job. It, you know, and it feels like a historic piece where it's like, hey, this is where things started and this is where things go. And that's kind of where we're still at with Batman where. Really In a way, that. I kind of wish this had been like, I wish that I had been recommended this instead of Hush. Not to not to just keep harping on that, but I feel like it makes for a it makes for a really good like if you picked this up as like your first Batman story, this would be like a good introduction to Batman. Like as a con like as a concept. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people too who aren't I mean 
I was like, I loved the Jim Lee art, like when I first read Hush, and now I'm on the record as being a Jim Lee hater. Or not a hate. I respect Jim Lee a lot, but I don't like his art very much. But like for a lot of people, I think that like if you give them Long Halloween, like it's so much more striking from a visual perspective. I mean, every single one of those like murder scenes where the holiday killer kills somebody like being cast in black and white with just like a few elements of like the, whatever, like the holiday specific like item that he leaves at the killing uh, being like drawn in color. Um, and then like the panels with like, where you have like the different panels inset with one another that are like almost look like they have like picture frames around them. Like there are just so many like little uh, like like artistic elements and both like from like a, a penciling standpoint, a coloring standpoint, but also like just like basic like panel layouts that just make for like so many like gorgeous and striking images and pages that are like really yeah. memorable and really sit with you. Um, that I think like from from just from a visual standpoint, like this is one of those things that like I think is is going to appeal to a lot of people that you know maybe a more traditional. DC house style necessarily won't won't do. Yeah, I really yeah. like the color palette. It's like this like dark muted like it just get like really enhances like the atmosphere. Oh my god, yeah. The vibes it's definitely The vibes are immaculate. Oh, they're so good. And it's just I think it's one of those one of those books where like you give to someone who's never read a comic before and it's like probably a good one to get them interested it's, it's it's a good crime story and it doesn't you know it starts off with like hey it's a mobster story so it, it kind of draws them in a bit with that and sure you have batman but everyone knows batman and you know it's written well it's striking and then it like it kind of just draws you in with each of these characters and kind of it, it, it does a really good case on like hey why do people like batman why do they like the the villains and it's like oh yeah it makes sense yeah no totally uh there's there's a lot of uh there's there, there's very little to dislike about this book. I'll say, like I'll say like that's and there's 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 certainly a, a lot to like. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean we we've talked a lot. We, we we've sort of already like talked about like some of the the legacy of the book a little bit. But what is it about this? That, and I, I mean we kind of got at this with what we were just talking about. But like, what is it that you guys think makes this so attractive as like source material for? Like aside from just being a good story, like for you know live action movies, and you know there's episodes of like Batman TV shows that have come since this was published that take a lot from from the animated from from not well from the animated series, but from from the Long Halloween. I think it's just like I said, it's it's grounded really well, but in a way that it's it's not grounded and it takes away the stuff that makes the villains interesting. Like it it doesn't lean away from the the craziness and like the fun and the i wouldn't say camp but i would say like just just just, just oh, sort I think of there's, the there's absolutely some camp like you've got like the i really love the odd couple dynamic between uh scarecrow and the mad hatter like while they're working yeah, together yeah. like it's there's i don't know like it just seems like there was so much care put into like the characterization and like like the way that everything's like fits so well to the overarching theme, like even the villains, like they're like when we see each villain is like themed to the holiday that is involved, and like I I don't know, it's just like it's just good is really the thing. <laughs> like yeah. I think people just like know that this is like 
a good a good story like just every yeah. everything about it works and also uh like i think it also just goes back to like the what i was saying earlier about it being sort of a microcosm of like the transition of batman's like villains and the way that he like deals with villains like i think it just works really well as like uh like a microcosm of the batman experience and i mean even thematic like even when you like with the batman stuff too like it's there's like this core of it that's i mean obviously so much of this book is in like the the mystery and, and his interaction with the villains but there's also this core of it of like Batman, Gordon, and Harvey, like, all sort of, like, throwing their lives away for the the crusade that they're on. Like, that's, like, a, I mean, yeah. that, that's such a big part of this book that, um, and, I mean, there's a lot of, like, this is, like, you know, a very popular theme with the Batman character of, like, that he's, uh, that, you know, he, he gives up on other things in his life for uh, the, for the mission. Um but a big part of this is that there, it's not just him, right? Like it's the the other two as well. There's like these three narratives happening at the same time where like Harvey is, you know, neglecting Gil- Gilda, not Hilda, Gilda. Gilda. Um, Gilda. And, and G- Jim is, you know, neglecting his wife and son. Again, after, did he learn nothing from year one? Like, <laughs> yeah, Well, we all know how that, how, how those things he's on, turn he's, out. He's on wife number two. Uh, Oh yeah, he is yeah. on wife number two. That's true. This isn't his first wife. No, this is the one who divorces him, not the one who gets killed by the Joker. Oh no, this is the one that gets killed by the Joker. Oh no, this is the worst one from already. Yeah, the worst one from already. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then his son goes on to become a supervillain. <laughs> Great, he's got a happy life. It's, it's a good yeah, but and, and I think it like because it doesn't focus because a lot of Batman comics focus on like oh, Bruce Wayne and Batman. He like he can't have love, and this one like. He kind of like you know he's he's with Catwoman a lot. He kind of gets he kind of gets that because he's also one of these like vi- not villains but one of these costume like you know as they refer to them in the book freaks and uh, seeing see, seeing the regular people you seeing Jim and, and Harvey go through that and it's like it's heartbreaking every time too because it's like both of their wives are kind of like oh we're just happy to have you home and it's like but it's like you know like I think it's Jim's son who makes him a Father's Day card, but he like he's like falling asleep on it, and he's got like the tie, and he's just like missing so many moments with it. Uh, and for what? Like in Harvey's case, it <laughs> really doesn't doesn't end up going well. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the Batwoman Catwoman thing almost is like you you have to like make Batman not a loner first before you can like have him throw away like other stuff for being Batman. So like it's almost like. Loeb like sets him up at the beginning is like okay we're gonna give him someone who's like you know romantically we're gonna give him a romantic interest right and then we're just gonna show him like neglecting her <laughs> for the next like nine issues um which is i, I don't know like i like that is like a fairly i don't know fairly it, it, it it's one of the, it's again it's one of those like things that is a batman trope it is a trope of like a lot of superhero characters but Loeb executes on it so well here that it genuinely feels like in those moments uh it genuinely like you genuinely feel it like the sort of like despair and and loneliness of the of the characters like when they go when Jim and uh 
Harvey go home like on the night of Valentine's Day after being out all night. After well, after trying to arrest Bruce Wayne in, in their cases, um, and their wives are already asleep, and it's like, uh, yeah, I mean that sucks. I know what that be. I know what that's like. Except I don't have a wife. Other other than that, though, <laughs> I know what it's like to to neglect your your personal life for for work. Some might yeah. say that's why I don't have a wife. Damn. Have you ever thought about Some that? Some might say what? that's why you're at that Airbnb right now with bad internet. <laughs> some might say. Wouldn't be me though. Some might some some people might be saying this. I also love there like there's just a moment in this too. Uh, I think it's in the Scarecrow issue where Bruce like kind of has a breakdown about his parents being dead. Yeah, because he got hit with the fear gas. Yeah. The, the, yeah. And he's sort of like coming down from that. Um, and he like actually like has this moment of that. Again, like, again, it's one of those things where we see all the time, like, oh, Batman's like angsty and depressed because his parents are dead. But this is like one of those, it, like the way that Sale like casts him, like sitting on the stairs and then like looking up at Alfred with like the, the shadows of the curtains over his face. And you see the little tears welling up in his eyes. It's one of those moments that is like very much like, oh yeah, this is a, this is a character who like never actually stopped being like eight years old, you know, like he, he still has like a very like childish way about him and in a, in, in a very tragic way. And the way that that's cast and it's cast in like such beautiful light by, by Tim Sale there. Um, and Alfred's not really in this book a lot. Like he mostly serves as like a, a, a doorman being like, Oh, Bruce Wayne, he's out. It's Valentine's day. Ah, you know, Bruce, you know, but Bruce he, always fucking that's, that's Bruce. Uh, what a guy. But in that scene, he's like, he's, he's that comfort guy for Bruce. He's, he's that father figure. And it's like, it's, it's in such an understated way. And he's not in the book a lot, but he's like such a, it establishes him as such a rock too, which is why it's like, like, again, this is like a great, Hey, why do people like Batman? Or like, what's Batman all about? And it's like, read this book. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I definitely recommend anyone read this book. It's very good. And I'm glad that we read it. Yeah, no, I'm really, I was like really excited to reread this book too. Cause like, like I said, like I haven't read it in forever and, and coming back to it. Uh, cause I, I, I've wanted to reread it for a while. Cause it's like one of the only ones of like what I think of as like the like sort of seminal, like Batman works that I had never gone back to since reading it for the first time. Um, and that's part, that's part of why I picked also, cause you know, it's Halloween. Of course we're doing a, we're going to do it. We're going to do a long Halloween in October. Uh, it's thematic um but coming back to it i was just like oh my god this is maybe the best batman comic ever written like and that like just the whole time through i was just like yeah i mean this is just like this is just immaculately plotted it's beautifully drawn by tim sale it has such like a well developed and thought out like cast of supporting characters for batman it just has like everything that i want from a from a, a good story and a good Batman story specifically. It's, and it's just like, it's one of the only like major Batman works that I, I feel like is truly like close to being unassailable. Like I love the dark Knight returns. I love the killing joke. I love year one. I'm, I'm not a hush guy, but I, I think those books have their, their faults. Um, you know, but, but this is really just like a, it, it, it would be hard for me to pick out something from this book. and be like, I don't like that. Um, or at least anything really major, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it's pretty good. Three to five. Okay. Uh, is is this where um the Arkham games get their take on uh Calendar Man? Like it's obviously not the exact same, but like I feel like there's some I don't remember Calendar Man in the Ark. I know he's in them, but oh, I don't remember. There's how like he... a no, there's like a it's like a like Easter egg thing that you can find mm. Calendar Man. I I definitely want to play those games. Again. I don't remember all the context because uh, it's been it's been years. I know it's again. I I played Arkham City around the time that I read <laughs> Long Halloween for the first time. Probably. Yeah. I um, uh, I lo- I don't think I ever finished Asylum, and I'd love to just go back. Asylum and is play that a, f- a fucking hell of a game. Yeah, hell of a game. Although I don't know, maybe it doesn't hold up anymore. I played like the first like I don't know five or six hours of City um in oh, 2019 so and i was like and i had like kind of thought like oh this probably isn't gonna hold up very well but it was like okay this actually kind of goes like this story's really good i mean like the i guess the combat and stuff is like we know what it is by now because so it's many games but have done it. i mean that combat system is it feels it's, so it's great fluid that, that's why yeah there's so I, I can't think of like many other like melee combat focused games that aren't like fighting games that have yeah. like the fluidity of the the Arkham games combat and the voice work and the story like oh ooh, there's some good Batman stuff out there. It's funny we we spent a lot of time on uh you know our first podcast the comics podcast just like talking shit about Batman, um, <laughs> Tom King probably specifically, but like there's there's some good stuff out there. There's some good stuff out there. Yeah, I uh, on the Arkham City fan wiki, it does say the appearance of Calendar Man in Arkham City. Uh, it looked to be inspired by uh, Batman: The Long Halloween and Batman: Dark Victory, uh, with both depictions being an homage oh, right. to Dark- Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah, because in Dark Victory, he's more involved than I remember. I- I'm looking at it on YouTube, and yeah, it's exactly like he's behind like the glass window. Uh, and B- Batman's talking to him through that and, like, going to him for... Okay, that's... Uh... Which is yeah. really cool, because I... You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Calendar Man up to that point was a very, very oh, yeah. silly villain, where it's like, it's February! Valentine's Day! It's one of those characters that, like, he's one of those Silver Age characters that, like, you just give him a little bit of menace, and it's like, oh, shit, okay, we've got a real, we got a real player over here, you know? Because like, <laughs> in this book, he, like the calendar man scenes are all like a little bit unnerving, right? Like when you first, when Batman first goes to calendar, because I mean, if you know the Batman mythos, like your first, like even at the time, like reading this for the first time I knew calendar man was, and I'm like, Oh, the villain's calendar man. But then he goes to see him in Arkham and it's like, okay, I guess it's not, because <laughs> it's not calendar man. Um, but like every, every scene where he talks to him, it's like, you, you think you're going to be getting this like goofy villain, but it's, it's the exact opposite. It's like he, he, the way he talks is very cryptic. Um, it feels it's just like it's a cool updating of the character too, um, mm-hmm. which th- there's a lot of that in this book too, right? Like, I mean, it, it definitely there's definitely a grit to it that like you know had already been been sort of done by writers like Frank Miller and Neil Gaiman and, and Alan Moore and you know a whole slew of like Chris Claremont too to an extent like in the in the eighties, but the nineties were like a different time, like very different than the eighties. And so like having a book that is like very serious, but actually like gets away with it and does it well. was, 
you know, kind of out of step for, <laughs> for, for that era of superhero comics. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, this is just me thinking off the top, but I think like, if you look at the seminal Batman and DC books from the eighties, I feel like there's a lot more that hold up yeah. compared to the nineties. Like, oh, totally. You know, a rare occasion where it's I like, mean, oh, what's, shit. what's even like another, like big, like DC or like, obviously there's the Chris Claremont X-Men run, which bleeds. Mad Love the was a, I think that was a comic before it was on the animated show. Is, oh, the Harley Quinn origin, the yeah. one shot. Sure, yeah. I don't know if that holds but up. They, I, I, but again, that's a one shot. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because I can't really think of much else. Like I can think of plenty of stuff from the because they did like, like the Death and Return of the Superman in the in the nineties. But you know, it's, I mean, that's iconic, it's not, but it's not good. It's iconic, but it's not exactly like I'll I'll read it and I'll enjoy it, but it's not like you know, it's a lot. Well, uh, is that uh, all we've got for the the long Halloween? Well, we should. T- well, I just, I just love the ending with Gilda Dent. I gotta oh, yeah. say, like that that just seals it. Where it's like, oh, and she's like, oh yeah, and I popped a few of them. And it's oh, like, yeah, so, so good. we could be together. And it's like, yes, Gilda. I love the reveal, like the, the, because like the the reveal of who it is. That's like, oh, it's Falcone's son who we thought had gotten murdered earlier, uh, and he like takes credit for all of it. And then yeah, the like. Gilda being like, yep, no, I, I killed some too. And I think Harvey killed a couple other ones as well. Like yeah. I love the, like the implication of like, oh yeah, there was just like a bunch of different people who were just like for their own ends decided that just fucking taking it to some of these mobsters was the, the real, the real uh, holiday was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's so great. Cause all these people like cross that like line that Batman never crosses. And it's like, everyone's like, no, we're good. And he's like, Oh, I will never do that. I'm Batman. And it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing at the beginning when, when Batman and Gordon and, and Dent all like take the pack together. It's like, we bend the rules, but we don't break them. Um, and then there's some other people who are just like, yeah, but what if we fucking broke him? Because <laughs> Dent is so great in this one too. It's like he, he has so many moments where he's like, we should just put a bullet in them. They're like, what? He's like, nothing. Or like, we should take this money from this factory before we burn it. And they're like, what? And he's like, no, nothing. No. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, you know, if I were a different man, in fact, I was like, but you're not. And he's like, yeah, totally. If I had another personality. <laughs> in theory. The I will say one of the I I only have uh, like it's been a while since I've seen them but one of the worst parts that I remember from the animated movie is that scene where they go to burn the the warehouse with the money in it. Harvey is like being a total soy boy cuck about it. He's like, I don't think we should do this. Like he's just like whining, like that he he thinks that they shouldn't do it. And so Batman donated to charity. And so Batman's like gives him like this monologue about how like. You know, it's 50 50. It's just, you know, and gives him a coin and he says, just, just let it be a coin <laughs> toss. And Harvey flips the coin and it comes up heads and they're like, okay, so let's burn it. And then the scene cuts to Harvey walking home and he looks at the both sides of the coin and realizes that Batman gave him a, a, a trick coin where both sides are heads. And he's like, good stuff, Batman. And That's it's a just a funny scene. It's such a, Except that it's like, yeah, it's like a reason that he became Two Faces. Batman like directly gave him the flipping two headed like. It's like it is like a perfect encapsulation of like what's like the problems with like other writers. The other writers seem to have with adapting a lot of these stories is that they they like need to hit you so hard on the head with stuff like that 
and the, the, there's like no subtlety to the way like to 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 it at all it's i don't know and then the movie go the movies go on to be just like more and more like that um so mm. awful anyway who do we think cries the most over the course of uh this lengthened uh halloween well batman cries quite quite <laughs> intensely in this book yes. so yeah, definitely. I think all three of the main protagonists are like crying a lot. Like, oh, I think yeah. Harvey, yeah. I think Harvey oh, yeah. and Gordon Harvey are both. And Gordon are also like big crying at night. They are in their fucking their feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think also their wives just don't see them because they're all like, "Oh, everything's fine. It's great." Yeah. Yeah. A lot I of think so. a lot of sad people in this book. A lot of crying probably happening like just off yeah. screen. But the happiest person is the Joker. So. Good for him. The Joker doesn't cry. No. Physically. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no. The Joker is just having... The Joker is really just having a blast in this. It's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you love to see yeah, it. Yeah, he, he, like, comes in and he's like, hmm, I wonder who Holiday is. And then he's like, eh, I don't really care anymore. Bye. <laughs> he's just yeah. like... His solution for it, too, is so good of, like... Oh, you know, Holiday is just someone in Gotham. So I'm going to gas all of Gotham and I'll get him one. He's, I don't know a bunch of people. Statistically, he's got to be one of them. His, his whole thing is like, this guy, this motherfucker is upstaging me. Uh, we got We can't have that. Uh, and so I'm just going to fucking gas downtown and I'll probably get him. Uh, it's, yeah. The Joker is on one. We'd love to see a king winning. Um so it's all all good stuff. Uh, one one last thing I wanted to mention was um, there's just this little bit. Okay, so there's like a running theme in, or not like a theme, a running bit in the book of like, oh, we, the, you know, the killer could be a man or a woman, and like one of the justifications that they give for it could have possibly been a woman was that the gun used to commit the murders is like particularly small and light so like, like women <laughs> it's just like so so women's delicate little hands could hold and use it like come on women use regular guns all the time <laughs> yeah but i don't know if you can prove that emily <laughs> but yeah yeah that <laughs> Like that was just like a, an eye roll moment. It didn't really matter, all things considered. But like, I was just yeah. like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, it, it did come up a lot, though. It yeah. was like, like it felt like every couple issues they were just like, "Or a woman." Yeah, like I, that felt so weird. Like I didn't understand why that kept happening. And I guess it's just because, like, at the end, it was a woman and a man or whatever. But like, also, I don't know. It that. That felt a little like if they had brought it up a couple of times, that maybe would have uh, been okay. But like, it, it felt like a little much. And I get that it was the '90s or whatever, but like, come on. I don't think Jeff Loeb ever really got his hands around uh, you know not putting no. a little bit of misogyny in all of his books. Love that. Think I think he's a fantastic writer, but that is one thing that he uh, could never do. Even when he wrote five issues of Nova in like 2014, he, he couldn't get it out of there. Great issues, though. Some men just don't know how to write women. Yeah. Yep, like me. 
Let's well, that's because you don't view us as people. <laughs> no, fine. It was something to do with it. <laughs> oh, are we not doing your your misogynist podcaster bit again? <laughs> what bit? <laughs> yeah, what bit, Emily? Fair enough. What what bit? God, I. You know what? I. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, we got to introduce a, a, a new a new bit. We do the like, which character is most cries the most? Uh, which character is most likely to be Selena's dad in that panel where he says that you can't trust women, but especially not if they're witches? <laughs> God. <laughs> oh. Oh, no, sorry. The, I, I found it. The exact quote. A truism I have learned. Not all demons are women, but all women are demons. Which uh, character in, in Batman The Long Halloween do we think uh, hangs on to this? Jeff Loeb, the writer. <laughs> Jeff Loeb, the writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to, we don't have yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Don't have to answer that. Uh, that's a joke. Uh, but yeah, that'll do it for uh, the, the Long Halloween. I hope that... Uh, the actual Halloween is not that long. I hope that it's 24 hours. Um, not 13 months. A, a normal coming up in a couple weeks. I want a normal amount of Halloween. God damn it. Um, I'd take an extra hour. Spooky. Do a, a, a 25th hour on a 25th spook hour on Halloween. Yeah, why not? Uh, speaking of Halloween, uh, we are entering. Oh, wait. No, we're not entering because I'm hearing a sound that's interrupting me. Looking in the lab late one night, when my eyes beheld an eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the mash. He did the monster mash. And it's the sound of the doomsday clock. Uh, and I'm hearing the doomsday clock. I've never heard it before. It's kind of it's spooky. How do you know it's the doomsday clock then? Well, it's a new segment we're introducing, Alex. Oh, cool. Well, I know it's a Doomsday I, I Clock because it, 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 it just keeps saying, Jeff John's writing Watchmen. Jeff John's writing Watchmen. <laughs> Jeff John's writing Watchmen. And it says it, you know how like clocks like ding like six times when it's six o'clock? It says that six yeah. times when it's six o'clock, eight times when it's eight o'clock. And yeah. it, yeah, it, it really fucks. You would never me. write it, Watchmen. Don't worry. <laughs> it really fucks with my head. Um, but what's this new segment? So the new segment uh, that is introduced by the Doomsday Clock is what we call a cry space. We're the first podcast to have a space uh, at the end of our shows. We're a lot of firsts on this podcast. Um, we're extremely innovative. Yeah, we we have inv- we basically invented podcasting, you could say. We really uh, did. Yeah. So we're uh, going to talk about something that... Uh, made us cry. It doesn't have to be a sad cry, although sometimes it is. Sometimes it's a sad cry. Sometimes it's a happy cry, and sometimes it's a you know an indifferent cry. Sometimes it's a cry for help. <laughs> uh, anyway, like this uh, week. <laughs> but this week, uh, someone else is going to start because I bit the bullet and started last week. I think that's um, true. My thing that made me cry recently 
is that uh, I, when I loaded up Splatoon today to do some salmon runs, I lost like three or four runs in a row and it was very sad and upsetting and not my fault. That's the worst part. I would be willing to accept it if it was my fault, but the fact that, like, if I'm the best person, if I'm doing the best on the team, there is something wrong with the team composition. So you're making me not want to play Splatoon with you, because I don't play uh, shooters with scrubs. Fuck off. <laughs> play Halo with me all the time, or used to. I've, yeah, I haven't played Halo with you in, like, six months. Wow, shocker. John Luke doesn't want to play a video game with me again. I do want to play Splatoon with you, though. I I, I do want to. I, I will be picking up Splatoon three sometime soon. Me too. You you got to get it before the uh, Splatfest. Yeah, you need to choose between uh... gear, grub, or fun. What do you bring to the desert island, my friend? A copy of Batman: The Long Halloween. I'm bringing be fun because I would rather starve to death than be bored. There's lots of exciting things to do on an island. Deserted island? Yeah. Name three things. Okay, so number one, start a fucked up cult with your friends. It's Uh, deserted! How are you going to start a cult? You're the only person there! Well, no, because... In this in this Splatfest, there's must be thousands of people for like exactly. each one, and they're all on the island. No, everyone has an individual island. Is my understanding? Can you see the other island? No, I I'm doing an orthodox reading of it where there's multiple 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 people on the island. So number one, you can start a cool cult with your friends. Well, okay. fucked up, but cool cult with your friends. Uh, num- number you two, you've been the watching Yellow Jackets has really taken to heart. <laughs> number two. Uh, you can have sex with a guy uh, in a crashed airplane uh, with uh, blood all over the place. That's pretty cool. Uh, and get this, number three, uh, one of your friends can try to drown you in the lake. Wow. Yeah, you've really just been watching too much Yellow Jackets. <laughs> Those are three fun things to do on an island. But they're not even on an island, I don't think. No, they're in, like... It's actually fitting because they're in the Rockies. I'm just headcanoning that they're in Colorado because it is a cursed and horrible place. <laughs> Alex, what's uh, what's your price base for the week? So I logged back into Steam after, you know, a week of non-gaming. I found myself, and then I was ready to come back and lose myself again. Um, but I log in, and I got a notification. I'm thinking, why would I get a notification? And then I remember, oh, I put $5 down on a Steam Deck. No! And then I get a message saying, your Steam Deck is ready, but held only less than a minute. And I'm like, that grammar doesn't really fit for me. And I look, and it says, I have to complete my purchase before 31 December 1969 at 7 p.m. Otherwise, my reservation will be automatically canceled. And then it, it seems I missed my opening to get my Steam Deck. So I took that screenshot, and said, sent it to support. And then they were like, oh, yeah, you can do it. And I was like, shit, now i got to spend $600. It's, so it's, it's a double oh, cry. I, I was going to say, is it $600, but Canadian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a double cry space because first I didn't get the Steam Deck, and now it's on its way, but it's a lot of money. So Yeah, it's only 400 American. Oh, that's good. There are. Dollars, so shit. Did you get the basic SKU, though, Alex? I got the 256 gig. 
so that's i think the i think the bottom one was 64 gigs and i'm just like there are games that are bigger than that so i don't think there's anything that's bigger than 256 i really want to like yeah play it yeah i think we got the i yeah i think we got the small one but we just got a uh sd card to go in it so we got a terabyte easy there yeah yeah, like get, yeah, getting a big SD card was not even that expensive. So no, it's it's yeah, probably. I would guess it's less expensive than getting the. I think I think the memory is different on the base than the second one, but I it is the that. the base one doesn't have an SSD if I remember correctly, and the other ones do. These I don't remember. Words, it's been so long since I looked at Steam decks. Yeah, but I'm excited. Like I'm there. I want to play Star Wars Battlefront Two on it. I'm gonna play the Arkham series. These are all games I have in my Steam library that I don't play. But like being able to like, uh, it's it, it's like when I first got the Switch. We did play Battlefront Two for a while. Oh, not that one. Oh, oh, oh okay, the old. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the 2005 yeah, yeah, yeah. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna do though. Is it Rise of the Empire where it's like the story campaign yeah, that you yeah. just like go first. through it? Yeah, so good. So I'm excited yeah. for that. I think it's going to arrive when I'm in Hawaii, so my brother will enjoy it, and then maybe I won't get it, but <laughs> easy come, easy go. Your brother will decide it's for him and not yeah. you. Um, cool. I guess that brings it to me, and in all that time, I have been trying to think of a cry space that's happened to me in the last two weeks. Nothing has made you sad? Or happy? Well, just the normal stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I, well, I guess the, here's my extremely convoluted cry space. Uh, I started reading, like, uh, I started buying, uh, comics again. Like, well, not that I ever stopped buying comics. Yeah, that's worth I started, uh, I started buying weekly comics again. I, like, went to the store and, like, set up a pull list. And I, and so, tomorrow will be the third week that I go in to, you know, pick up my full pull list from the, from the folder and... I don't even know it's coming out tomorrow. I think Detective Comics is out tomorrow. Um, and maybe a couple other things. I don't know. Um, but I, I missed that. It's, it is uh, a very good feeling. And it did make me kind of emotional. Like the first, like when I was like writing out my pull list, cause it's been so long since I've had one. Like it was like pre COVID was when I had, was when I last had a pull list. Uh, yeah. Cause like I moved and didn't want to set one up in the middle of, in the middle of COVID. So it's a little, uh, it's like going back to the, going, being back on my the old bullshit. And also it's just it's like, great. Cool. It was just like, I just like swung by the store on a Wednesday after work, picked up my books, went to a park and sat there and read the new issue of She-Hulk. And it was, it was awesome. And you got a fresh start. You're not, you're not bogged down by the bad decisions you made like for a year ago and you're stuck with where you're like, yeah. you know, I'm going to keep it on the and list. I'm, I'm pulling like, I'm reading like 11 books, I think. Uh, so like keeping it kind of tight. I, I, I'm not having any of those like, oh, fuck, I have to read 15 books this week. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, not, we're not doing that uh, anymore. Um, yeah well the new d2 is coming out it was just i was just so excited to like go to the store and like i i didn't even know what book yeah. was coming out that week it was just like i would look in the box and be like oh wow yeah uh, it's exciting and it, it did make me a little it made me you know a little misty eyed that's a good cry space thank you you said that last week Phew, two for two but i don't remember i didn't say that the week before though did i <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember what my cry space was last week though so all right. Well, I think that's the show's over. No more crying in the book club.
Nope. At nope, least not for the last episode. Two... But, well, yeah, we're done. <laughs> Thank you. At least not for another two weeks. We're going back to the book club and we'll be crying there in two weeks. And what are we, not, what are we crying about? And John? we won't be saying we're going to the book club and what we really mean is meeting up with the guy that we rear-ended a week ago and are having sex with now. When you say rear-ended. <laughs> not John, in a sexual way. John, what episode of Yellow Jackets are you on right now? I haven't watched any more since we talked last. Okay. Last night, I was going to watch one last night, but I was like, I should watch the new episode of House of the Dragon. And then I did that instead. And then I was like, I should watch more Battlestar Galactica. This is the problem with TV. Like, when you adopt movie mindset, you just watch the movie and it's done. You don't have, like, <laughs> six different things you have to watch at once. So, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I also, I can't watch it too late at night because it makes me scared. It's, it's really <laughs> I mean, it is pretty spooky. I, I did, I definitely had, there was, like, one night where I definitely, like, had, like, had trouble, like, Oh, I would like go into my room and like turn the lights off and close my eyes and lying down. I was like, nope, too scary. I have to, <laughs> I have to, I have to listen to music while I'm going to sleep because I need to, I can't think about yellow jackets. <laughs> That's cute. That's it's cute. Spooky. Hey, it, it's, it's the spooky season. It is a spooky season. It's true. It's, uh, it's the season. Um, yeah, but what are we crying about next time? I miss Chad guys. I know we I I know we had a bad exit with him last time. I know Yeah, I know I, I know the friendships are destroyed, but I think we should bring him back. Oh, you think so? I think that sounds like a great idea. Sounds like a great idea. Last hurrah. Well hopefully not a I mean I never I never stopped podcasting with Chad actually. I've done several podcasts with Chad in this time. But your friendship's over, right? Yeah, we are no longer friends. Good. I'm reading Chad's book. How's that going? Yeah. But not from a friendship, from a third-party neutral editorial standpoint. Damn, that's hot. John Luke is being strictly objective. <laughs> yeah, wow. that's what I'm known for. So yeah, we're we're the plan is to is to have Chad come back. Some of you will know who that Ooh. is. Some of you won't. But you should be excited. Uh, he's very sardonic. Uh, he's funnier than all of us. Uh, that's true. And, and he's successful. He's he's actually done things. He's a published author. Yeah. This will be the first pu- the first published author on the show. You put about your Star Wars fan fiction. From when I was 14? That doesn't count. No, you've done Star Wars fan yeah, fiction since not then. <laughs> I've done Star Wars fan fiction that you guys have read. Not it's not been publicly yeah. consumed. We had, and where do you, we had Alice where do you think we sent it right up there? And she's she's written fan fiction. Yeah, not but, but, fan like, fiction, sadly. What I'm saying is that writing fan fiction is not the same as being a published author. Like, well, Alex shadows. brought up fan fiction, so that's true. I did that. Yeah, so Alice, there's there's it's a podcast of all of our guests have to be authors. So if you're an author and want to come on the show, I guess... You uh, authors of their own destiny. It. But we're talking about... Sorry, we were, I was supposed to say what we're talking about next episode, uh, which is it's going papa. to be... Our what? papa. Is that Chad? No. Uh, fucking Jeff Lemire. Then no, Donny Case. No, it's not. 
I thought this was a Jeff Lemire book. Oh, I, did you? I, I, well, I literally, I've never read God It's good enough to be a Jeff Lemire book. I don't know anything it about is, it, and I, yeah. I misremembered. No, I thought you guys thought so, that it was a Jeff Lemire book. So it was going to be the return of our papa, Jeff Lemire. It's it's very fair because this was also a very like seminal and beloved book on the comics podcast, which... Uh, That's probably what every, I just assumed. <laughs> every Je- which was every Jeff Lemire book. It's like, oh, there's yeah. a... I, it was just like, yeah... Jeff Lemire is a hell of a writer. We should do a Jeff Lemire book at some point. Um, but we are going to be uh, talking about God Country, uh, the 2016 six-issue mini uh, written by Donnie Cates and drawn by Jeff Shaw. So uh, it's a quick little read. Uh, See, there's a Jeff in there. There's a Jeff in quick there. Quick little true. read that'll get you right there. It does there. really embody crying in the book club. Yeah. And I'm going to wear my T-shirt. You guys won't see it next time, but I'm going to be wearing it. My God Country T-shirt. We'll see I think it. it's... I think this yeah. is the first book that we're going to be talking about that we talked about on the old show. Yeah, and it's also been, I don't think I've read that book since we talked about it on the show. So that's exciting. I read it when it came out in trade, but that was like a few months after that. Oh, so. yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Not, since, not since then either. So I'm excited to go back. We'll be excited to have chat on. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know what? I, I think it'll be a strong addition to our. You know, our end of year list where we, you know, we, we come up with a list of our favorite ones we've talked about this year. I think God Country, if it's as I remember, I think it's a strong contender. So Strong contender. Are we doing that? Yeah, why not? Oh, yeah, cool. I, I like that idea. I, I thought we I like would. Lists. That's a good idea. I, you guys are so smart and come up with great ideas. That's what we do. If you want to, if you want to hear more of uh, our great, well, if you want to hear our interns' great ideas, which are like mid ideas at best. Uh, hey, can... the Alita Army thing, we're popping off. Oh, we actually, off. the intern did do – the intern with the hashtag Alita Army, that was a win. That was a W. That was a – you know, maybe you'll get a maybe you'll get a little bit of a stipend. Well, I'm going to pay you, but I'll give you, maybe give you a stipend at the end of the month. $20, $20 Amazon gift card? We'll give him a gift card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you can uh, find what our intern is saying at, at Crime Book Club on Twitter. Sometimes Emily writes the tweets, though. Sometimes the intern is doing other stuff in Emily. So Emily steps in and writes the tweets. Um, but if you want to actually see Emily's tweets, I will let Emily tell you where to find Emily's tweets and other Emily. Other uh, entries in the Emily media empire. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at impandanata or on Twitch and uh, Letterbox at panda boar, like panda bear, but not. And if you would like to hear me on other podcasts, you could listen to uh, Imagine Me and Utena, the Fresh Podcast Market, or That Looks Terrible. And if you want to hear Alex's thoughts on the Overwatch League. Uh, then listen to Crying in the Book Club uh, every week, every couple weeks. Uh, it's a good show. Uh, I don't really use my Twitter, but no. check out Jean-Luc, Emily, and our intern. Yes. I'm an Mountain Dew liker, by the way. I didn't say that. Hash- I'm hashtag Alita Army. You should all follow me and retweet my psycho tweets that I post at one thirty. Is it in, if it's not in your bio? I don't believe you. You got to put that in your bio and then delete them before any of my friends actually wake up and can see them. Oh, I see you say that. I feel, I feel like I see all of your tweets, John Luke, or no. or maybe there's another section of tweets that are even more. Uh, no, there's. Yeah, we're not in John's Twitter circle, so we don't see them. <laughs> Damn, that's rude. 
My Twitter circle is just my drafts folder. <laughs> Very exclusive. I did release a tweet from my drafts folder. I, I, I filled up my drafts folder like a month ago. And the other day I was going through it. And I was like, oh, this one seems fine to release. And it was the tweet about the 27-year-old guy who loves drive but can't actually drive anywhere because he doesn't have his license. And so his mom has to give him rides. <laughs> A banger. I worded, good, more, yeah. I, I worded it more succinctly in the tweet, but you know. Anyway, I hope not. <laughs> anyway, uh, we will see you all in two weeks for for God Country. Bye. Bye.